Hi, this is Paul, and this is Friday Morning Bridges of Meaning Q&A. But before I do the Q&A, I should cover the big news of the corner this morning, which is the revelation of Chris out of Lurkerdom. Apparently, this video was made three days ago. I'll probably cover it fully in a video because I think this is a, um, I think this is a significant on-ramp moment. I think waves of obsession now with 18 subscribers that had 12 this morning before I tweeted it out. Um, I thought he rather nicely sort of put the corner into perspective. And so, if you haven't watched the video. Uh, I'll, let's see, I'll just drop the, I'll just drop the link here in the chat and you can watch it now. You can watch it later. Thanks to YouTube. You know, we all time shift everything, but it was a, it was a good video. Chad covered it on his channel this morning. I watched Chad's coverage of it and I thought it was, thought it was very helpful. But I know you're not here for the Bridges of Meaning. I'm ready to be a bridge with meaning. There you go, Cassandra. Um, Elijah Stonebreaker, uh, coming up a Randall's conversation with Elijah Stonebreaker at some point soon. Elijah's got a really cool name. So I uh, just got to the office, should put my phone in the charger. We're going to be here a while. Let's get into it. Now... Uh, Gregory Witcher, I couldn't, I looked for that, I looked for that, um, that idea, app idea, but I couldn't find it. So sorry about that. Please pray for my foot. Now, some of you ask questions that involve a lot of homework. You must be forgetting, uh, one of the great, one of the great, um, administrators of the Bridges of Meaning Discord server, Joey who had the immortal words, no homework. So um, yeah, no homework in these. If you can't ask a question that I can't understand pretty quickly, uh, I'm probably gonna pass over it. So uh, you get what you pay for, I guess. Um, and what you've paid for is, well, and that's part of the beauty of the corner in terms of what we've been talking about and in terms of what Chris has in Waves of Obsession video is that it's, a lot of this is sweat equity. Um, you put in the time, you get the status. I mean, look at, look at someone like Chad. Chad has put in a ton of time and, uh, you know, you get, you get the status or sometimes it's your brilliance. Sometimes it's a competence hierarchy, sort of hard to know. Um, haven't finished listening to the German rando with the balloons and I don't know what happened with zoom, but we get these balloons in the middle of the guy. I don't know what happened. That was a fun conversation. I enjoyed it. Okay, please pray for my foot. I'm going to have to, uh, let's get this down here because I know we're going to need it. Let's close all, get back to the Discord. Does Jordan Peterson stating that he does not want to be put into onto anyone's team between Christianity, Islam, and Judaism qualify him to be Antichrist by authority of 1 John 4, 3? Wow. Uh, let's look up first John four, three, dum, dum, dum. Let's read the whole passage because a, a 
you need the context. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's Jordan Peterson, a false prophet. Dum, dum, dum. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is uh, he is uh, is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, does that make... Let's talk about Antichrist and the epistle of 1 John. First of all, it's kind of hard to know exactly what 1 John is. It's not really an epistle like we have with Paul. Uh, there's a lot of theory about 1 John being sort of an addendum to the Gospel of John because some people theorize that perhaps the Gospel of John, by its structure, became a favorite book of proto-Gnostics. A lot of people wonder at what point we can sort of label Gnostics. I think there's a certain perennialism to Gnosticism, and there's often a certain Gnosticism to some kinds of perennialisms. But the first John definitely is a polemical document that very much wants to wants to address Gnostic sensibilities. I'll say it that way. For people with these Gnostic sensibilities, their assertion was Jesus was a Jesus. For most people today, to say Jesus was a human being, they don't have any problem with that. Jesus was a human being. Jesus was a human being. You'd say that all day long. In the first century, among many different people, people had a tougher time saying Jesus was a human being. It was easier to say Jesus was a God, okay? By virtue of the testimony, by the miracles, there wasn't there wasn't widespread skepticism with respect to the miracles. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. What does one get booted or muted for? It appa apparently, last week, Grim Grizz. Um, do you want to get muted? Is that what you say? If Joey was here, he would mute you. Uh, see, it's terrible when I interrupt my uh, my thought because people want the content, but here then I get distracted with the personalities. Almond tree, very much, you know, I got to set this. Oh, shoot. Uh, uh, can't do that right now. Okay. Back to first, John. In the context, first John is a very antithetical document. Black and white, day and night, good or bad, in or out. That's, you understand, if you don't understand that sensibility that 1 John has, you'll have difficulty understanding its starkness and its boldness. Now, as I always tell you that the, the binary and the analog are sort of, in some ways, sort of like the right and left brain, the master and his emissary. And you you need the you need the antithetical, you need the binary, you need the antithesis, and the first first John majors in that. So technically, when it's talking about Antichrist here, and you don't want to just take verse three and not include verse two, because verse two is the context for verse three, 
And a text without a context is a pretext for filling it with whatever you want. Um, Jordan Peterson, nor Sam Harris, nor just about anybody around, except for some fringe people who say, well, we don't even know if Jesus was a real human being. Now, almost everybody today will acknowledge Jesus is a real human being. What they struggle with is the divinity of Christ. And so that's sort of the, that's sort of the area that after sort of this great inversion happened into materialism, that's the area that people have questions with. So if you want to just take this as some slap it on thing, you're going to have problems because Sam Harris then can't be Antichrist. Well, what, what on earth is Antichrist? Well, the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit that resists Christ. That's, that's about exactly what it is. Now, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say Jordan Peterson is a spirit that resists Christ. Well, maybe he's a spirit that resists. You always have to, under, when you listen to Jordan, you always have to understand that it's it's sort of going, a lot of it's going through some something of a Jungian filter. And so that complicates how Jordan sees Jesus. Jordan has spoken about Jesus many, many times. And actually, if you listen to what Jordan says about Jesus, even going back before his status rocket ride, Jordan uh, has has pretty much always said the same thing. He's got a rather uh, he's got a rather agnostic ceiling on Jesus. And when you ask about the resurrection, he'll say things like, "It's hard to know." Just basically, I'll rephrase it: how real this thing can get. And so I. I when Jordan would say that Jesus, G, Jordan would say that Jesus is from God, he wouldn't have any problem with that. Uh, but what exactly does that mean? Well, that's when Jordan will talk for a good long time. So I, I don't see, if I thought Jordan was, had a spirit against Christ, I probably would not be giving him all the attention that I do. Now, with respect to his idea of teams, notice that he's taking, he's forefronting the Abrahamic religions. And there's something important to that. Even though there's a, let's talk about conflict. Up until about 40, 50 years ago, at least in North America, there was a great amount of tension between Protestants and Catholics. That tension has receded tremendously. Uh, now the Orthodox come into come into view, and they're coming in at a time when they're not going to get a lot of pushback from Protestants. Protestantism in America has basically uh, gone into stealth mode, and but Protestant America has has always been a deeply Protestant nature nation and culture. And that Protestant spirit within um, America continues to make orthodoxy and Catholicism increasingly Protestant. I'll say it that way, as much as some Catholics and Orthodox might cringe. Um, I'm sorry, Almondtree, I can't get you one for re technical reasons right now, but uh, I'll try and get you a wrench at some point. Okay, so... Islam, 
right now, there's a ton of conflict between Islam and Judaism and Christianity. A lot of it because of the politics of the state of Israel, obviously. A lot of that conflict is very old because, obviously, with the rise of Islam as a civilizational religion, it 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 conflicted with um, Christianity and Judaism. There are some there are some out there that argue, and it's a very interesting thesis that part of the reason, at least initially, the the, the Muslims that conquered reigned over vast groups of Christians and Jews, and basically they were fairly tolerant of Christians and Jews for much of the history, and they just made them pay a tax. And so some people argue that part of the growth of Islam was basically you could get out of your tax. And so culturally, Islam spread. And there's a lot of discussion about just how deep Islamic devotion is. Now, one of the videos that I have rolling around in my mind that might get made is religion is a tremendously difficult thing to talk about because it's difficult to talk about because you want to know at what level. So Peterson clearly is trying to... What is, what is Peterson's goal? I think Jordan Peterson's goal, broadly speaking, is, I think we've seen some shift in this. It has been to help the individual, and that hasn't gone away. The other thing is civilizational religion. So a, a, I've got a talk, I'm, I've got a conversation with Jonathan Peugeot coming up uh, this week. And one of the things I want to talk with Jonathan about is civilizational religion. Because this is where the conversations between Protestant, Catholic, and Orthodox get very interesting. Because Catholic, Orthodox, Jews, and Muslims have a tremendous history with civilizational religion. Protestants have a degree of... of a degree of pause about civilizational religion. And so the United States and the United States system in many ways has been the manner of Protestant civilizational religion. And because the United States was so successful, that manner of Protestant civilizational religion, which includes things like freedom of speech, uh, freedom of religious conscience, et cetera, et cetera, all of this is deeply Protestant. And all of this has sort of stealthily conquered the world through this cloak that Protestants wrap themselves around in, which might be called secular. So I don't know if Jordan has thought through all of this. But Jordan is within him. He's deeply Protestant while he continues to sort of flirt with orthodoxy and Catholicism, while not wanting to exclude Jews and Muslims. Because remember, Jordan's, Jordan's point, Jordan's focus of attention, at least up until a couple of years ago, has tended to be on the individual. And so when you, that is a deeply Protestant move. 
Because if you focus on the individual, you sort of turn away from civilizational religion and you sort of take this cloak of liberalism and wrap it around and then, like at the art conference, promote representational democracy, open markets, freedom of speech. A lot of this stuff was at the ARC conference. And so in, in that way, Jordan's project is deeply, deeply Protestant. But it's Protestant in the sense of trying to maintain this Protestant mode of civilizational religion. And what many in the liberal world want to do is include the reintegrate the Muslims into civilizational religion. Now, so I've also I'm also working on scheduling another talk with John Vervecki. And what I want to talk to John Vervecki about is fundamentalisms. Because fundamentalisms are very interesting because there's a natural resistance to civiliz there's a natural resistance to modernity in fundamentalisms but fundamentalisms tend to american christian fundamentalism tended to unwittingly unwittingly absorb the assumptions of their gerardian rivals and so instead of reading the bible basically saying, well, it's all just stories, fictions, which is sort of what the modernists said in the 19th century. The fundamentalists said, it's all physical. Oh, okay. Um, and that led to an entire new rabbit trail of biblical studies that imagined, well, they it, it sort of ran headlong into the synoptic problem. And so a whole lot of time was spent trying to figure out how many Jerichos there were and how many blind men there were, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we, we continue to, we continue to sort of work through this question. Now, the caliphate, well, Sam Tiedemann, we're all trying to learn how to say Sam's name properly. Sam, are you taking any calls today? I don't know. Sam Tiedemann, we'll see how many questions I get through at this rate. Uh, Sam Tiedemann said, you know, if you sort of re, if you sort of took away the Jews and the Christians, the, the Muslims would probably just keep killing each other. And there's a lot of truth to that. And that's sort of a perennial truth as well. Uh, many have noted that when the Jews, the Jews only stop fighting each other when someone is trying to kill them. Uh, and someone could say the same thing about the Christians. So equal opportunity there. But, you know, there was just recently a significant bombing in Iran. It probably had nothing to do with Jews or Christians. It probably had everything to do with intramural Iranian or um, Islamic conflict. So Jordan, in his attempt to enfold Muslims, is in that sense really trying to bring them into the broad Protestant secularish tent of modernity and liberalism. It's not that Islamic liberalism hasn't been tried. And there have been some elements of Islamic culture that have showed, let's say, signs of proto-liberalism. 
but they didn't finally win. And I think part of that is because of fundamentalism isn't a very new thing. I think it, it also is sort of a perennial dynamic. And by virtue of the construction of Islam, this, this demand that the Quran cannot be translated, um, some of this, now the demand that the Quran cannot be translated is a literalism. It's not a physicalism. Because what they are doing is sort of elevating the literary, the literal text to the highest point. Well, there's only one Quran. There's not many Qurans. And someone tells me that there's a, a small woman who is in the UK that go, loves to go to Speaker's Corner and bring all kinds of copies of the Quran and say, no, see, there's all these different, of course, just pisses them off. There's a certain... There's a certain rigidity and fragility in that perennial fundamentalist approach, which is, I think, why liberalism probably never finally flourished in Islam. It's, it's helpful to remember the history of the caliphate in the Ottoman Empire, which was, into the modern period, the expression of Islam in the modern world. And of course, the, the Ottoman Empire died a death of a thousand small cuts and then was pushed over the edge in the First World War. And then what today is Turkey became just sort of the rump of the empire and for the last hundred years has not been a great player. Now that might change. Erdogan seems to want to make it, seems to want to rejuvenate his empire. And so the Hagia Sophia goes from being a museum into a mosque again. And when you look at these kinds of signals, you can see that the, the modernist dream of religion fading away, uh, John Lennon's dream and imagine, boy, this is, this is, it'll never be anything more than a dream because nothing is more durable or foundational in human beings than what we call religion. So it's helpful to note that this current, the current versions of Islamism arise as a response to the, the downfall of the caliphate with the Ottoman Empire after the First World War. And so many Islamists, whether they're saying it or not, in a sense are expressing the idea that secular Islam has been tried and failed and we need this more virulent strain. And the more virulent strain is definitely fundamentalistic and is definitely trying to promote a civilizational religion. Now that it's its fullest implementation is probably in Iran and it's not doing well. Now you might say, what do you mean it's not doing well? Isn't Iran causing fits in the world? Sure it is. But Iran, you know, it, it's going to, we have yet to see what this group of uh, Iranians under the age of 40 are going to do to that country. Because liberalism is powerful, even though it's sort of being tested right now. This whole Ukrainian-Russian war, in many ways, is a battle of liberalism. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Russia, because they're sort of expelling their last ability to use 
to use human fodder on a battlefield as a strategy, the, the focus on the individual, the assertion of the individual, and the, the relationship between technology and the assertion of the individual is, is really what is continuing to unseat a lot of civilization, a lot of ancient civilizational religions, which is why, in many ways, transhumanism is sort of the. You guys are still arguing about a wrench. Um, no, Ukraine. The, Mark. Okay, Mark. 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 Mark, who's not part of the corner. It's like a fish not part of water. Um, the whole. The whole point of the war is that Russia felt Ukraine increasingly in European orbit may be part of NATO, may be part of the European Union, and wanted to stop that because Russia, in some ways, has to, needs to, wants to reestablish the old empire by bringing Poland. I mean, there, there many, many YouTube sites out there will show that in terms of Russia's strategic defense over you know, the next hundred years, they need to sort of shrink the funnel by putting it back in Poland and you and Romania. So Russia's playing its hand. But deep beneath this is liberalism's pull. Thank you, Mountie. There we go. Thank you. Deep beneath this is the pull of liberalism around the world. And, and in many ways, even though we have a little bit of this conversation in the West between, oof, and it's happening in, I think that the recent ortho wave is a part of this. Uh, Doug Wilson is a part of this. Um, Trad Catholicism is a part of this. Deanan is a part of this. All of this questions about liberalism. And I think a lot of this is because there's an anxiety, and I think quite well-founded that the next iteration of liberalism might be transhumanism. And we're already seeing the, the fruits of transhumanism and other trans movements, and we don't like it. So the world is a big place, and all of these tensions are going on at the same time. Back to the question. Jordan Peterson is in this in trying to promote Christian civilizational religion, which in many ways in the, in the 20th century was secularism. And so Jordan, as a secularist, will try to embrace Christians, Muslims, and Jews, and Buddhists, and Hindus. And Jordan is, in terms of his efforts, trying to maintain the old system. If you go all the way back to him in a t-shirt, kvetching about what somebody said about him, I'm a classical liberal. And notice how that took on, um, how that caught fire. But, but the classical liberalism of the 19th century will not be the same classical liberalism of the 21st century for all of the reasons that Jordan makes with respect to combinatorial explosiveness and cognitive science and all of those things. You can't go back to the 19th century and we're not going back to the 19th century. And so those who 
continue to want to embrace liberalism have to figure out how to contend with transhumanism. And so just this morning, the uh, the, the Collinses had a, I, I haven't listened to all of it yet, but I listened to the start of it. They're talking to Mormon transhumanists, which if you have an understanding of Mormonism and where it comes from and an understanding of Mormon theology, transhumanism is a natural step. Now, what's interesting is they're also big fans of Mary Harrington, who is diametrically opposed to transhumanism and is screaming that while lighting her hair on fire all over unheard. So, wow, there's there's a lot going on. And then Jordan Peterson has within him sort of an internal contradiction where on one hand he wants to maintain individualism, classical liberalism, science. On the other hand, he, more than many others, are pointing to the fact that some of the foundations of classical liberalism, Lockean epistemology, some of these foundations have been obliterated by science itself. And that's in many ways where Jordan and John Verveke are really tied at the hip because both want to maintain science while at the same time understanding that the epistemic foundation that gave rise to science is being destroyed by the science itself. <sighs> so Jonathan Jordan Peterson is not an antichrist, nor do I think he's participating in the spirit of antichrist. He is a deeply Protestant liberal who is trying to make his way through the fact that science, the fruit of much of this, is destroying the foundations of historic liberalism and individualism, which means that Either that stuff washes away or you found new foundations. And I think at the heart of it, Jordan is trying to work at multiple layers of the stack. He's both trying to shore up foundations, as is John Verveke, hence all the language. And he's trying to work up here with civilizational religion, which is why he wants a big tent with Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, Jewish, and Muslim. And so that's what he's doing. <sighs> that was a big question. I need a drink. So this is my big cup. It is mostly filled with ice. Thank you, Upcycle. <laughs> this little corner is real. <laughs> <laughs> so the my drink my drink changes. So lately I've been on ice. It's mostly ice. It's like 80% ice, so it's mostly water, plus some coconut water, plus some lemonade. For a while I was doing green tea, but the caffeine in green tea um, I didn't, I didn't run it. Want to live with that caffeine and green tea and that particular green tea had some artificial sweetener. I didn't really want that. So now it's Costco lemonade plus Costco coconut water plus mostly ice. And, um, 
I'll have to refill it at some point during this during this live stream because it's an insulated cup and the ice endures, which I like. Melts slowly, so throughout the day I sort of mix the titration. All right. Ice in the thermos brought to you by science. <laughs> True. People are peasants. Ah, sometimes this, this stuff goes so fast, I have trouble bringing it down. Um, taking bids for TNC is not real. Donations. Yes, bidding war. Cha-ching, cha-ching. I forget, ben, is it Ben Spencer, the guy who's always leaving the negative comments? Like Ben Spencer music from Los Angeles, always leaving negative comments about, about my grift. There you go, Ben. The grift is going. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Look at that. TLC is not real. It's gerrymandered group of particulars. <laughs> oh, Chad. Thank you for strengthening us, Pontifex. <laughs> I don't know if Chad, who is Pope, declares Mark to be Pope. What does that mean? Oh, 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 it's swimming. It's swimming. 120 watching and um, Jacob has taken up the role of, of trying to displace Google Analytics. Um, <laughs> evangelical praxis. All right. Well. I don't know. I don't I don't think anybody's going to top Bruce. <laughs> TLC is not real. Oh, you guys make me laugh. Yeah, chat's wild today. Oh, it, it means we have an anti-pope. Jacob is the party whip. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really that's 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 a good that's a good insight. Yeah. $2. <laughs> oh not not real is a not real is ahead uh 100 to 42 so the grift continues <laughs> oh but but poor um one poor guy in korea just 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 it tries his soul when i show no love to sam harris so anyway all right yes you've all distracted me okay second question john from the deep dark seas a very small ACNA, that's an American um, Anglican, Anglican Church of North America. A very small ACNA church plant. I've been, oh gosh. <laughs> oh, 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 my, oh, so we've got, uh, that's $162 for TLC is real. <laughs> Orange hand covering. Oh, you're, oh, Chad. <laughs> oh, Chad. That's right. Uh, TLC debate, money, la money laundering scheme. <laughs> That's right. This is, this is all a, this is all a shill. It's, uh, you know, it's Putin's money we're laundering. How about that? It's Putin's money. Uh, where's it all going? Okay. Back to the question. <laughs> a very small ACNA church plant I've been attending for 15 months is dispersing due to the departure of uh, Bruce. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. 
Oh, no. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Bruce Wednesday. I don't know if Bruce is married. He's probably going to have to explain this to his wife. Oh, all of this is seed money. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, I got to catch your breath. Yeah, Google takes 30%. You're right, Nico. And what's Paul going to do with all that grift money? It's a lot of cheddar. <laughs> the live stream for 15 minutes. I'm incredibly confused. That's right. We've been distracted by money. Some, some Saudi's going to come in and drop 10 grand on us and just blow us away. <laughs> That's right, Elijah. Just a name it, claim it, pastor. The more, the more, <laughs> the more you super chat. I'm selling YouTube indulgences. Oh, they're going to clip that for Grim Grizz. Uh, Paul should end this live stream. Oh, chat, another $2. <laughs> favor indulgences. You guys, it just, oh. Oh, we got a new member. Cha-ching! Fully support the mission. Excellent wife you have, Bruce. She's a great woman. Must be a great one. Pastor Paul. <laughs> oh, I need to get to the good father's question. Okay. Okay. Focus, focus, focus. John has been attending an ACNA church for 15 months and it's dispersing due to the departure of our rector and near zero chance of us being able to find and financially support a new one. Ah, I chose the ACNA for the liturgical Eucharist, but now I'm realizing all the practical considerations of church. See, if churches had super chats, actually churches have tithing and uh, Google doesn't get 30%. That's, that's why the best way to support me doing this is by giving to living stones, um, which I'm, I'm kind of wondering if 2024 is going to be the last year of Living Stones. It's it's kind of I'm kind of wondering that. Except this week, every week estuary starts at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning at Living Stones this week, and it could be that through the estuary, Living Stones has a new life. I don't know. We'll see. Will we will see what happens. So, very sad story is ACNA Church can't continue because. Boy, part of what happens in America is that, so the, CR, the CRC is, is kind of half American and half European in that it demands that its clergy be well-educated. And once you demand a level of education and status and professionalism from your clergy, you're going to assume and presume and probably... Um, need to have salaried clergy. Many American churches get around that by not paying their pastor and have the church belong to the pastor, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these different models of churches. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see the way this thing shakes out. So anyway, back to your question. All the practical considerations church being faced with having to choose a new one. There is no one my age or at my stage of life at this dispersing church, for example. There's another ACNA church in town, but it's also quite small. 
Meanwhile, there are several big evangelical churches I could attend. I love the Anglican liturgy, but struggle with having few or no possible friends my age in a small church. I don't think I can take a low church evangelical services seriously anymore, but those churches will have far more friendly and eventually marriage prospects. That's true. I'm feeling pretty torn between my theological liturgical convictions and the practicalities of finding real thick community in church. How would you approach my situation? I don't know, move to Texas and look for uh, Chris Green. You know, I, um, you know, Chad, not Chad, um, Nate very much. I should talk to Chris Green, but I don't know if one conversation is going to do it with a guy like Chris Green. So Chris Green is a super interesting guy. He is Pentecostal Anglican. And, you know, for me, I talk about what what would happen if, if Living Stones closed. Well, I would probably, if Living Stones closed, we would probably be enfolded in one of our daughter churches, which is Christ Church Davis, which is quite liturgical. And I'm, I'm not really, I'm much more of a praise and worship kind of guy. Sorry, I really am. But we'd probably be enfolded into Christ Church Davis, and I would probably go on staff at Christ Church Davis, and maybe this would continue, and I would... They would hold my credential and, you know, who knows what would happen. But, um, you know, again, I love, see, I would love, I, I love a big box evangelical worship. I love that. It's a psychotechnology that, that I really enjoy. I prefer it to, to formal liturgy. I'm not really a big fan of formal liturgy, at least that, that kind, the particular kind of liturgy. Now, a whole bunch of people just unsubscribed, but that's okay. Um, as long as I have the bidding war on TLC is real, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to make it <laughs> crazy people. Um, but what I would suffer from in most big box churches is the preaching, because when it comes to the preaching, I'm, Upcycle, Upcycle has joined the fray. TLC is real. VNA is real. To the Lord Jesus Christ goes all the glory. <laughs> so, I I hear you, John. I'm totally there, but my situation is opposite. I want, I want um, great music. And great, and actually great music for me is sort of traditional hymns in a contemporary style in more of a Pentecostal expressiveness and great preaching. That's kind of what I want. Uh, PVK's wife is going to watch this. That's right, because where'd all that money come from? <laughs> oh, no. How much should Bruce give to shut down the live stream? No amount of money is going to shut down this live stream. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Um <laughs> So, and, oh gosh, I'm going to stop watching the comments. So, so I got some interesting feedback from the just go to church video. And even if, so, I live in a city like Sacramento where there are hundreds of churches. There's maybe not as much variety, you know, in terms of all the particularity that I would like, 
if I had to look for a church. But again, I would just, I would probably just go, I would just go to Christchurch Davis because yeah, they got the liturgy and yeah, they're very liturgical. So you would love it. And, but the preacher, you know, uh, Eric is a friend of mine. Aliyah is a friend of mine. I would fit in very well at the church. Uh, they, they do have good music. Um, but, but the liturgical elements just don't tend to jazz me. I, I grew up in a black community. I like something more African-American. So we cannot be cooperating with YouTube. How dare we? Yeah, well, that's that's kind of inevitable. Oh, I wouldn't. That is a CRC. Um, I would go to a CRC. I, it's the only kind of church I would go to. But my point is, in fact, if there was, I would I would go to the last CRC in Sacramento, Phlebas, because I am CRC. That is what I would do. But if there were no CRCs available, what would I do? I think my wife would have a fit if I said, I'm planting a new church. <laughs> she would have a fit. Well, you're doing what at your age? <laughs> but that, in fact, might happen with, we'll see what happens at Living Stones. Because once the, the current 60-year-old iteration of Living Stones dies, and if Living Stones continues, it would functionally be a new church and it would probably be planted out of the estuary and out of the randos and out of the people here. And it would be kind of a crazy mismatch. I mean, Dog Bark would probably be running the music. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I and, I and John, I wish I had an answer for you. I think you have to figure out what what your what your your value hierarchy looks like. Is it the fellowship? Is it the liturgy? Is it the preaching? Is it the music? And you're going to have to put those, or is it the distance? Because distance is part of it. Some people make an argument to go to the, you know, people are going to have to go to the, go to the closest Trinitarian church to your house. I'll say it that way. Yeah, I know I said Trinitarian and I mean it, but go to the low, go to the closest Trinitarian church to your house. Start there. And love on that church. And the truth is, if you stay there 20 years, you'll probably deeply influence it. Um, so otherwise, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, people travel a long distance to find. Anselman actually left a very in so interesting comment, a little uh, go where God sends you. <laughs> I love it when Grimm <laughs> upbraids my theology. Um, merely nice <laughs> Christian, very nice seeing Christianity. I love it, Anselman. Anselman left a really interesting comment, which I actually screenshotted, where he talked about his struggles with finding a church. And um, so this is part of the legacy of individualism, that we are all deeply shaped, not primarily by our local church or our local church tradition, but by all of the different religious inputs that are sneaking in under the radar beneath the cloak of secularism. So, all right. Indie defense. Hello, Paul. What do you, th what do you think, what do you think ultimately happened to the Garden of Eden? It was said to be located between the Tigris and Euphrates guarded by angels, but of course it's no longer there, at least to our eyes. Could it be like Wonder Woman's movie, like the Wonder Woman movie where Eden is its own little dimension that we can't see or access from the outside? That's kind of it but i think in the wonder woman movie when we again 
when we when we use this kind of language about talking about a dimension, we we tend it tends to be a physicalist hack to yeah, the memberships have been blowing up lately, um, which is really cool. Um, enjoy worshiping alongside. Yeah, yeah, you don't know. You you've never you've never been with Hank Cruz. I have. <laughs> I want to see Anselman and Hank Cruz together. I just want to see Anselman. I just I just want to shake Anselman's hand. Anselman, I went all the way to Scotland. I went all the way to Scotland. Talk about meeting you halfway. Halfway would be the watery Atlantic. I went all the way to Scotland. I want to meet Anselman someday. I do. Um, Church of the Open Heart sounds surgical. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dimension is it. So, so the video I made uh, this week, I it got posted Thursday morning about um about poetry and seeing again it's a fascinating thing go back to you know um don't sleep there snakes why couldn't the man why couldn't the westerner and his daughter see the god and why could everyone in the village see the god now we say dimensions and again we're we're sort of bowing a knee to physicalism reality is really strange and, um, you know, and then there's this dynamic that, uh, that whole math talks about where if you're a super low status guy, the women won't even see you. It doesn't mean you're not in the room physically. They won't see you. And many, many women talk about, I was invisible. I hear that from women and I hear it from, I hear from women as they age, they say, the older I get, the more invisible I become. You know, there, there was a famous model who said that recently. And it's like, I mean, she's still drop dead gorgeous. And I can't imagine when she walks in a room, you know, <clears throat> eyes, male eyes, the male gaze comes upon her. Um, but so this this business, and, and again, this is part of the recession of modernity is that we're beginning to understand better that seeing is much more complex than the sort of reductive physicalist model that, say, John Locke imagined. And then suddenly when Jesus says things like, those who have eyes to see, suddenly, hmm, well, that's interesting. So, Van Gogh's ear. Hey, Paul, in the Gulag Archipelago, there's a part in the Ascent chapter where a friend of Solzhenitsyn's tells him, and on the whole, I've come to realize that nothing in life comes to us undeserved. And Peterson pretty much says that. This man was later bludgeoned that night. How do we reconcile our upbringing life circumstances that wouldn't facilitate the ideal we'd want for ourselves with our choices while we're so young and blind? Are we ultimately the sum of our choices? No, we are not ultimately the sum of our choices. That is, there is such a thing as grace. There is such a thing as grace. And, and now I'm going to say this is why I'm Calvinist. And some of you will say, well, that's not Calvinism. That's just Christianity. Well, I'm sorry. I learned Christianity through Calvinism. So I blend them all together. Grace means we don't get what we deserve. It's the goodness of God. We are not the sum of our choices. 
And in fact, we are hardly the sum of our choices because we are also the product of the choices of past generations. I I would not be alive today if my great-great-grandfather hadn't somehow pissed off the Jewish community and ran from the Netherlands and replanted his family in Western Michigan. And that would not be me, obviously, because Patterson's part of my who I am and my parents and on and on and on. But if my great-great-grandfather had stayed in the Netherlands, they would have all been wiped out and my whatever version of me there's no version of me, but you know, his descendants would have been on the wall of the of the the little memorial outside outside of Oppingendum that Job and John Van Donk and I visited. So I'm here because my great great grandfather broke the rules of his Jewish community and got exiled and probably shrugged and said, might as well move to America and join the Dutch reformed. Here I am. His grandson became a Christian reform minister and his great grandson became a Christian reform minister. And now me, his great, great grandson is a Christian reform minister. So I don't know how much our choices matter. Now I sound really Calvinist. But it's the grace of God through multiple generations. Are Malcolm and Simone crazy prophets or possibly both? They're not crazy. And they themselves wouldn't even consider themselves prophets. They're two very smart. Well, when I, when the, um, probably Monday or Tuesday, I'll release the full video of the full conversation onto the main channel. Um, Almost released it this morning. A lot when when and how I release videos has everything to do with my the priority that I give videos and um yeah that's that's basically it. and how many videos I have in the stack and I've had a lot of videos in the stack lately so and and I can't really put two if I release two to four hours of video in a single day, it sort of overwhelms the size of the channel. So I try to parse it out and I'm trying to do some more shorts because some people, shorts help people. So I'm, I'm still playing with the channel, but um, of course, Eden is real. Eden, Eden is, is more real than Sacramento. You have to understand what real means. Um, Paul is really trying hard with the Collins, but doesn't seem seem like TLC fans. Uh, the Collins are super interesting. They are super interesting. And so this morning, their conversation with trans, they, they are in many ways transgender Mormons who have no association with the LDS church. That's one way to think about them. And they're super American. And, and some of you picked up on sort of their elite roots. They're super elite. You know, Mormonism doesn't just spring out of the ground out of nowhere. Mormonism at such a sort of a popularist New England transcendentalism. You know, in, in some ways, Sam Tiedemann and Mormons have a lot in common with, with, with these American Unitarians. So, and you might say, well, how, 
how are Mormons like Unitarians when a better argument is that Mormons are basically polytheists? Yes, because basically what Trinitarians do is hold this tension. There are three, not four, not two. There are three, and three is a special number. And so Unitarians say there's one, but Unitarians, when they when Unitarianism sort of falls apart, it becomes polytheism. And when polytheism gets overwhelming, it becomes Unitarianism. And so those two sort of keep going back and forth. The Trinity is actually the stable place. And that's why I think history has laid itself out the way it has. Yeah. Yeah, and then it got unstable. So they're super interesting. I And so I'm going to go on their channel. I'm going to have a conversation on their channel. That'll be super interesting. But they're... I, I, so again, look at the video where I start out with the Ross Douthat. And watch that whole Ross Douthat video. It, it was out a few years ago with Tara Isabel Burton. Because that's... So, and Ross Douthat is watching this stuff very carefully and makes the comment in his decadence book about, well, part of the reason we we know decadence is because new religions aren't being developed. Now, that sounds like a strange thing for a Roman Catholic to say, but he's saying it just understanding that starting new religions is a perennial thing, and most of them don't go anywhere and just sort of wash up. And when you look at the history of the history of uh, British North America between the colonial period and let's say the 20th century, and I think even into the 20th century, there's all kinds of new religions being formed. But Douthat's observation is that the old pattern, the old American patterns of religion, which is congregational, is broken and it's broken by the internet. And so what's super interesting about them is that they basically have a new religion and they have a YouTube channel but they're not necessarily propagating their new religion. So the question is, what exactly are they propagating? Okay, they're propagating pronatalism. Are they also propagating sort of a Mormon transhumanism? And I think that's right. They're, I don't agree with it, but I think that's what they're doing. And that's super interesting. And I don't think they're going to become a cult where Malcolm is going to start sleeping with all kinds of other women. Uh, when when you watch the video, I think you get a, a palpable sense that Malcolm and Simone, I think they have a really great relationship. They love working together. I think they have a relationship that a lot of other people will look at and say, I want to have a relationship like them. So I don't think Malcolm's about to you know, buy land in Guyana and start sleeping with hundreds of women. He, he already he talked about the fact that he already had that sleeping with a lot of women phase in his life, and he he found it shallow and has moved on from there. And so he's... That's true. Mormonism is just Islam 2.9. Yeah, there's a ton of interesting connection between Islam and Mormonism. A lot of similarities, but Islam is far older. And I don't think we'll see Islam wandering into transhumanism because of this fundamentalist nature within Islam. And Mormonism is so much later that I think it's going to be susceptible. Mormonism is basically post-enlightenment. And there's certain elements in the light and certain openness elements in the enlightenment that say human nature is ultimately completely malleable, which is probably what's at the heart of transhumanism. So 
so so I I think you know I so I got a I have an interview coming up with a reformed podcast this month and and they've already sent me the questions and one of the questions is how do I pick my topics my topics pick me and uh, once one of you I won't out you once one of you sent me their video on the decline of religion and I watched it I knew. I'm in. I'm interested. These people are doing something important. Does that mean they're right? I mean, that's how I got going on Jordan Peterson. I have plenty of disagreements with Jordan Peterson, but I knew right away he's doing something important. Keep an eye on him. Pay attention. Because what's happening with Jordan Peterson and what's happening with Malcolm and Simone Collins is these people are instantiations and they're telltales. So if I had a, I had a colleague who was into sailing and he used to have this the sailboat, we would take it on the San Francisco Bay and we'd sail together. And I learned a little bit about sailing with from my friend and telltales. Well, what are telltales? Telltales are these little strips of cloth that hang from a that hang from a sail. And these little strips of cloth, they're tiny. The sail captures big wind, but the little strips can like tell you what's going on with the other layers beneath that are probably going to tell you what's going to happen with the wind. So Jordan Peterson and the Collinses are telltales. There, and you watch them and you figure out, and once you figure out probably where the wind is going to go, that's when you adjust your main sail to sail within the culture. They're telltales. So you pay attention to them. But it doesn't mean you follow them because you still have a rudder and a sail and you've got to chart your ship. But you got to keep an eye on the telltales because that's how you know where the wind is blowing. Okay. Yeah, true, Mark. That's true. Peterson is a wind, too. But uh, stuff gets so complex. Uh, every metaphor breaks down. He's such a, such a literalist, Mark. And I don't mean a physicalist. I mean a literalist. All right. Uh, Valerie. Hi, Valerie. I've got an update for you regarding the Writers of Meaning Anthology Project. This has been a long-term project. Some of you Probably this is one of the subgroups of Bridges of Meaning that started. Out, and John Madonk had a great piece he allowed us to include. The banner gave us permission to reprint their estuary article. We're in the final edit and book formatting stage while the book cover is being designed. We're aiming to publish mid-year, June. Excellent. Once you have the book out, we'll promote it and try and uh, see if uh, people will support the effort of the book by buying the book. Just like. I think I was supposed to do something for Peugeot with because I haven't gotten a copy of the uh, of the Snow White. I I did like the uh, the Kickstarter because I, I don't even really care if I get the book. I just wanted to support Jonathan. So, um, do you have any recommendations of folks who might be willing to do blurbs, book reviews that you can put on the back corner? Well, I think you're going to want to think about that because do you want high status people or do you want corner people? Because depending on your, I mean, you could get Verveke and Peugeot, but if you really want corner people, then you need people like Grizz and Chad. There's something to think about. If anyone wants to volunteer or donate to be part of the Bridges of Meaning, you can find it going on here. And I will copy this and put it right here. Oops. Oh, that, that didn't That didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Let's try again. There, that's much better.
Julian. I'm so glad that Julian's still around. Oh, 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 Father Big Mac is right after Julian's question. Okay. Paul, curious to hear your reflections on how the conversations in your channel, this space has evolved. What were you, we talking about, thinking about early on and what's the conversation shifted since then? Funny you should ask that, Julian, because just two weeks ago, I started re-watching some of the first conversations I had. And you can find them if you go all the way back. So there's a there's a playlist on my channel called Conversations, and it's got over 500, it's got over 500 um, videos in it. And if you go all the way to the beginning of it, there's a few CRC pastors. See, first I thought when the channel had like a thousand, a thousand people, I thought, you know, I'm going to have a bunch of CRC pastors on this channel. Um, that didn't work out quite the way I expected. Not that any of the conversations were bad, but it sort of got avalanched by the randos very quickly after that. And so there's some CRC pastors at first. Then there's Nathan. Nathan was really the first rando. And then Job and a whole bunch of early ones. And I, I thought of doing a video on those early conversations because a lot of those early conversations were short of were sort of people that had been hit by the shock wave of Jordan Peterson in 2016, 2017. And we're and then 2018. And then we're watching this. It was a great wind, Mark. You're right. A mighty wind watching how this explosion that was Jordan Peterson um, so kind of energized people's imaginations about what a religious renaissance might mean. Now, very quickly was the pushback by the Blue Church against Jordan Peterson, which tended to isolate him. And there's always, there's always that sort of thing. And I think the... I think the framing of Jordan as a right-wing ideologue, uh, Jordan hasn't really overcome that. And in some ways, joining Daily Wire sort of cemented it. So... So the early conversations, Julian, tended to be the shock wave of Jordan Peterson, and then the initial wave of randos that were telling their story about, there were basically exorcism stories about how Jordan Peterson exercised them from spiritual possession by certain spirits that have been, that have been binding men. So there's a lot of those conversations. Now, after those after people had been sort of liberated for a while because it's one thing to sort of get liberated from a spirit well now you have to figure out how to live and i think since then the conversations have been about how to live and that's why there's a lot of interest in finding a spouse having a family figuring out career figuring out church so a lot of those a lot of the conversations are about the nuts and bolts of living now. And, and so now we're sort of in the wisdom sphere. And that's sort of been the trajectory of the talks. And every now and then there's sort of a bump in the wind and we ride that. But then when things settle down, it's again sort of perennial wisdom topics. How do you pick a, how do you pick a mate? How do you pick a vocation? 
how do you choose a church? And that has tended to be sort of where the conversation has evolved. Now, there's still some thinky-talky stuff going on, but um, in a lot of ways, this channel, I do some of my own thinky-talky things, but my thinky-talky things are basically for my own sanity and my own sense-making. But a lot of it, especially because, again, I'm a pastor and pastors tend to deal with very practical things. A lot of the things surrounding this have been people working their stuff out. You know, like, like watch Grim Grizz. Grim Grizz has a half hour video. There's usually five minutes of salience in there of where Grizz is after you get through all the branding and all the all the savings throws and all the card picking and all the um the 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 recognizing people in the hive mind and all of that stuff there's about five minutes of grim grizz sort of bearing his soul and his process of trying to trying to fully exercise set while he colonizes cell and so we're all just working our stuff out that's what we're doing Grimm's liturgy. That's right. That's 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 right. That's Grimm's liturgy. Okay. Uh, Father Big Mac. In order for something to exist, it must have one telos, two a head, and three a structure. I think that's true. Oh boy. What is the telos head and structure of the TLC? I think you know Chad really got at something in his video this morning on that. It, you, you the TLC has an origin story that most of us know. I'd say the head is Christ, but I'm a Christian minister. And Father Big Mac would probably agree. And the telos is the kingdom of God, the city on the hill, up you know the city on the top of the hill. Um, the structure is 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 the is an interesting and a new thing because what we are doing is colonizing these strange cyberspaces. So is this transhumanist by contamination? Are we trying to resist transhumanism by taking over its tools? I think Christ is the head. Yeah, yeah. Neo-Christianity? Christianity is always neo. I mean, Chesterton has it right. The, you know, the, the church keeps dying and rising. And I, I have a clip I put on the Vander Eclipse channel of uh, Francis Buford on Seen and Unseen, where he talks about this. what we're doing here is what the church always needs to do. Because in many ways, we are wrestling with God and we are wrestling with the spirits of the age and we are taking every spirit captive. And that's what we're doing. A while ago, I asked you for a recommendation on books of the Bible for people coming out of the New Age, and you recommend the Joannine Epistles, which was a perfect fit. For Now, for someone really involved in black and white absolutes and stern totalitarian moralizings, what would your recommendation be for that person, preferably from the New Testament? Hmm. How about the book of Romans? 
Book of Romans is a tough book. But what Paul is trying to do in the book of Romans is make sense of the fact that Christianity subsumed Hellenism in a way that the disparate Jewish, the the Jewish diaspora could not. Or maybe the book of, or maybe the book of Galatians, but that, but it's a tougher, this, this, this wrestling between common grace and the antithesis. That's how my tradition has framed it. And if you want to understand the history of the Christian Reformed Church for the last hundred years, you have to understand the wrestling between the antithesis and common grace. What does that mean? So when when Jonathan Peugeot talks about the fact that Christianity completes paganism, when you look at a Roman Catholic posture of nature and grace, that's, that's sort of a subsumption model where Christ completes pagan dreams. C.S. Lewis articulates that well. That's true. The antithesis is also true, that Christ is true in a way that paganism never is. That's also true. And those truths are in many ways antithetical to each other, but they're also working together. And this is this is the dynamic between the antithesis and common grace. And it goes back and forth between them. It's sort of, it's it's in some ways parallel to the antithesis is very emissary brain, and common grace is very master brain because it has to master all. And but you need them both and they go back and forth. That's where, you know, McGilchrist is super. And I always use embassy brain and master brain instead of right and left brain because I'm dyslexic and get them confused. And then I misspeak and then it's confusing. So I don't get emissary brain and master brain mixed up. That's why I use that. Oh, Joseph, uh, follow up question for PVK from Joseph or thinking about your video video on naming. By not naming these things, can we relate to them more openly? Yes. Not narrowing to a single in-stress salience. Yes, because you're right, Yosef. If I, as I did, say <laughs> Christ is the head and the telos is the kingdom of God, right away the Jews are like, <laughs> don't, don't play the Jesus card on me. <laughs> so... See, 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 it's never that easy. Oh, 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 he is the whip. He is the whip. Are you deliberately trading off the power granted by naming for a more quiet cultivating of the garden and just seeing what grows? Yes. When, though, should we name? I would say the question of naming is when and where. See, and and, and what Joseph, what Jacob just demonstrated is um, 
you have to be, let's think about naming as a wizard. Let's think about the wizards in Lord of the Rings. So if you read the book, there's some of it in the movie, but if you read the book, you when when they finally confront Saruman and Isengard, and after the Ents have basically taken away his kingdom and he's locked in the Orthanc, Gandalf warns everyone, watch out for his words. Because naming is framing. That's what I almost made a video this week called Naming is Framing because it came to me. Naming is framing. That's exactly right. Naming is framing. And so words are magical. Words are powerful. But, you know, there's very interesting parts of the Gospels where Jesus couldn't do a miracle in Nazareth. Why couldn't the Son of God do a miracle in Nazareth? What is the deal with faith? That has to do with context. And so naming is framing, but a big part of delivering the magic word or the name, which delivers the, which frames, is the when and the where. So you have to figure that out. So no, your point, it's a great point, Joseph. It's a great point. And this is this goes all the way back to the Peterson question. Peterson knows this, and so is so Peterson goes to Israel, Jerusalem, and he's a Jew. Peterson goes to Rome and he's a Catholic until he says something against the Pope and gets disinvited. <laughs> Who can control the tongue? Among the Orthodox, he's Orthodox. I'd say he's really Protestant. No, it's a good point. My question for you, Paul, Jack Bog, number one, who do you think you are? <laughs> good question. And what gives you the right? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't. On one hand, I'm a child of the king. In the eyes of this world, I will be a blip who will be forgotten quickly. I'm like the grass of the field that um, Isaiah 40, like the grass of the field. Righteousness is like the flowers of the field. So all this, this little bit of righteousness is the flower. What gives you the right? Well, gosh, what do you need to, what, what, what do you need to start a YouTube channel? You need a Gmail address. How can you qualify for a Gmail address? If you answer that question, you have the answer to your question. My question is, Ujiro, what are the essential elements in any worship service that keep people engaged and impart meaning to them? Um, and not necessarily just Christian worship either, worship in general. Worship is a particular kind of attention. And I think, so... I think Verveke is right that for attention to last, it has to be transjective. And that's why as Lost in the Cosmos notes, why is it when we meet eyes with someone, 
it's powerful. And and there's gender and there's sex in there too. Your eyes lock with a woman. It's like, mm, what's going on here? Your eyes lock with a man. It's a different thing. And and one of the amazing things about dogs. So I I spent a lot of time with a dog lately and training a dog. And so a dog's been a big part of my life this year. Um, dogs. So when I'm training my dog, a lot of what I train my dog with is eye contact. And in many ways, my dog worships me because I feed it treats. It's a dog. But dogs don't make eye contact with other dogs. You don't find dogs staring at each other in the eye. Maybe if you do, it's probably a showdown between males. So, um, Christian worship, and this is right from Christian Reformed liturgy, to the degree that Christian Reformed is old enough to have liturgy. is dialogical. It's back and forth. So, the Christian Reformed Church is like Jonah's plant. Sorry, Phlebas, it's the truth. Um, it sprung out of dissent over Americanism with the Reformed Church of America. In a sense, is transplanted. The Christian Reformed Church is, is rather anti-state church right from its start. And that way, it's deeply Protestant. And it's and it flourished in America the way it didn't really flourish in the Netherlands. And so then when the Christian Reformed Church had to sort of figure itself out 70 years into its existence, it it came up with its own liturgy. And it's a very sparse, simple liturgy, but it's dialogical. And so actually, even if you look at the liturgy of living stones, it's deeply dialogical. God speaks to us, we respond to God. God speaks to us, we respond to God. God speaks to us, we respond to God. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. That's what worship is. It's a two-way conversation between us and God. Now, only worship God alone, right? Um, but we do pay attention to a lot of other things. We have to. So worship is, is attention plus devotion. And... Now, you have to attend to your spouse and be devoted to your spouse, but it's a special devotion. It's the it's the top of the hierarchy devotion that you devote yourself to God. So that's what worship is. CW, what is the best way for a man to gain a YouTube channel but not lose his soul? Well, I hope, you know, that's what I'm doing. I hope to not lose my soul. You know, I, Jordan Peterson is a cautionary tale. Not that I'm saying he's lost his soul, but hierarchies bind and blind. And so, you know, I almost shut down the channel at 2,000 subs. I didn't. I'm still here. We're at like, we're, you know, we'll, we'll probably be hitting 30,000 subs in the next couple of months. That's still pretty small for YouTube channel. I keep telling myself that. Um, CW asks that. I don't know if I should. CW, should I? Are you in the comments? Should I out this? Um, CW has an interesting project that he wants to do. And I hope he does it. 
Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. Do it. All right. CW gave me the green light. CW wants to start. CW is going to jump in to the fray with a live stream show. So he's following Grim Grizz and Jacob in that. I warned him. I said, if you start a live stream and you don't have any subs on your channel, no one will get notified that you'll watch it. And so maybe you should partner with another channel. And the first guest for his live stream is the infamous, and some of you are going to despair right away. Hang on to your seats. His first guest will not be me, although I volunteered, but I agreed with him. He said, no, you shouldn't be the first guest. The digital gnosis, Nathan Ormond. Hated exile of this little corner. The anti this little corner. CW is going to have him on. Have I not had this on the whole time? CW is going to have him on. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh. I'm okay if people see PVK be unable to answer the question. I'm not sure what answer the question. No tell us, no head, no boundaries. So Mark thinks he's been kicked out of the corner. He hasn't been kicked out of the corner anywhere near as hard as Nathan. Nathan was, Nathan was, um, yeah, yeah. So good, good on you, CW. Go for it. I can't wait. I can't wait. And not, not that the video will be any good, mind you. <laughs> Because <laughs> Nathan's going to do what Nathan does. And we all know what Nathan's going to do. <laughs> but just doing it. Oh, poor Jacob. Poor Jacob. Poor, poor Jacob. Jacob wishes we would have kicked him out if we could have. Uh, link to CW's channel. He doesn't have one yet. He doesn't have one yet. He's got to get going. I love Chad's point. Um, that's right. What is CW's channel? Oh, there it is. Christian Diaspora. Christian Diaspora. There you go. Everybody subscribe now. I told him, I said, once, Jay, Nathan's already agreed. So, so CW, once you uh, make that appointment, make sure everybody knows, because CW wants the live dynamic, which Grizz, of course, has sort of really developed on um, on, on Grizz's channel. So um, CW wants the live event. So that's going to be an event. That's going to be an event. Why was Nathan kicked out so hard? Uh, Nathan was kicked out of um, Bridges of Meaning Discord, not once, but twice. To be kicked out of Bridges of Meaning Discord by Joey, not necessarily a big accomplishment because <laughs> you could get kicked out of you could get kicked out of BOM by Joey very easily. But kicked out by Job? <laughs> Nathan got kicked out for behaving badly. And and then he, you know, then he used his own channel. So just, just, just Nathan is Nathan. So he's just who he is. He's not a bad guy. I mean, when I met Nathan, when he came to an estuary meeting that Taya was doing up in um, up in Manchester, he was great. We had fun. And that's true. The, the internet brings out the worst in people. 
It really does. So um, we'll we'll see how it goes with CW. And I and 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 because it's with CW, of course, CW is not going to sort of um, confront him the way I mean, CW and Mark Lefevre are sort of two opposite things. Mark is just all confrontation, blah, 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 blah. confrontation. See, see, see. <laughs> oh, CW. CW wants to interview scoundrels. Um, this is really weird. So, so, so Mark is all confrontation. CW. So, so Mark is all boxer. Mark just pound, 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 pound. CW is all. He's not, he's not going to directly confront. He's just going to slip in little, very subtle, really nerdy little comments that you would really need a whole dozen footnotes to kind of understand. And most of us won't, but it'll make sense in CW's mind. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nathan is the Ric Flair of this TLC, but I don't know who Ric Flair is. So, um, Nathan is misanthropic. Oh, no. Nathan is misanthropic. <laughs> oh, so it's going to be fun. See, the internet should be fun. That's what I keep trying to tell people. You can do some serious stuff with it. Um, CW, I look forward to you demonstrating how. I told you, CW, you were right. Will Nathan be the prodigal son? Nathan's been the prodigal son a few times, and he keeps <laughs> he keeps walking out again, and he keeps coming back. <laughs> ah, see, uninformed. No, I don't know enough. Da, 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 da. All right. So that's what's coming. That's what's coming. All right. I, oh my gosh. I got to end question. Michigan man, get it in there because I got to end the questions because I'm going too long. Uh, okay. Um, why is your name Paul if you're in fact so tall? Because Paul means small. I, I think um, Paul is a favorite name among good Christian reformed people because the Apostle Paul, I'm named after the Apostle Paul, of course. My question, do you think, whoops, whoops, whoops. Okay, let's bring this in. Do you think there's a role for liturgical art in the broader Reformed Church? I'm OPC. Oh. Sam, I have had artists in my church. Sally Joe will tell you that one of the real problems with Protestantism is they, they and it's telling it's telling and it's not a good tale that that we have issues with art visual arts it goes with the territory i don't know if there ever will be sam i people have tried i've seen it at calvin college but the the churches in which they try then tend to go mainline and then mainline just tends to go just wash out into the background noise of American culture. So in that way, the Catholics and the Orthodox, you know, they, they've got they've got it easier. So it's a great question. OK, Michigan man, are you either either type this question or or not? All right. 
end of questions january there i said it uh is is paying to a bid to deny the existence of something valid and is validating says mark for pope and mark lefebvre has a question mark lefebvre of navigating patterns has a question I want nothing to do with any of your projects. Go away and stop trying to drag me into your name, anti-Christian heresies. I love it that Mark is a defender of Christianity. But is he a member of an actual church? There was a, there was a, there was a, the, the most important pastor of the group of churches that I was working within the Dominican Republic all every they like to use him because he was a he was a Dominican national, but he was also corrupt as the day is long. And every now and then he would do something. The other pastors would want to attack him, and the, the usual attack was always, "You don't have a mother church. You're not really a. Uh, you shouldn't really be a minister in good standing because you don't have a local church." And I remember one meeting when they were attacking him, he stood up in that meeting and said, Yo soy la iglesia madre. He said, I am the mother church. I, I just laughed. <laughs> Stuck with me forever. I just want Mark LeFevre to stand up and say, Yo soy la iglesia madre. There you go, Mark. You can rename your thing. Yo soy la iglesia madre. As a pastor, when you preach, how do you track whether or not you are landing your sermons in a way that is more than propositional? Well, I track it by looking at the audience, but here's the problem with YouTube. I can't see you when I'm preaching. I can't see, and my rough draft is always, my rough draft is is never as good as the final draft. And if someone wants to send Livingstones $2,000 for a new mixer board so Rick can uh, integrate Dante, um uh send send it send it via online giving to to living stones and um because rick wants to so so those of you who are deep enough into this who have watched the sunday live stream know that the sound is terrible and the reason the sound is terrible is because we're using a little mic that's up on a stand and the reason we're using a little mic on the stand is we tried the other way of hooking up the mixer into the feed for Rick to take it out and it sounds even worse. So the best compromise was this mic. What that means though, is that my sermons sound like, it doesn't sound as good as this. And a lot of people have said, well, why don't you just put a mic on Paul? And we've worked on this. Rick and I have worked on this and we've spent a lot of money on this. And so then Rick said, um, you know, here's this new board that has Dante built in. What is Dante? Dante built in that basically the board takes the signal and turns it into a digital signal and that can pass over the network and then Rick can grab it and Rick can do his magic and integrate it in. And so, but that's $2,000 and uh, sound is really hard. No, Mark is, Mark is dead on right about that. <laughs> All those big spenders had wasted their dollars on YouTube. Uh, sound is really hard. Few people can appreciate it. No, and, and if you start your own, uh, lighting is hard too. No, he's, he's Marcus. See, people, some people have dismissed and tried to exile Mark, but I never exiled Mark because I listen carefully to Mark. And although his personality can be abrasive at times, he is very smart and he speaks the truth. He's got some other nonsense going on, but you know, that's why I like Mark. That's why I won't. Uh, oh, Dante is overrated. Well, send Rick a note. 
Um, No, Mark, you deserve it. You're a good guy. You're a good egg. Um, pushing navigating patterns. <laughs> he got the endorsement of Matthew Peugeot. What do you need from a little piker like me, Mark? Um, anyway. <laughs> oh, gosh, here we go. Oh, <laughs> Uh, da, 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 da. I get distracted. Oh, okay. Anyway, so that's that's what we're working on. And uh, anyway, back to the preaching. That's why preaching should be done in person. And Peterson says the same thing. Well, Peterson has this thing about where he always looks at one person, drills in on one person. I find that a little unsettling for the person that you're preaching at. Uh, back in the day, I used to get when when I first started at the church and um you know, when you go into a Christian farm church, you get elected into it. And so some people voted against you and didn't want you there. I used to get these emails from one guy who was complaining that I was um, preaching directly to him, which I, of course, wasn't. And I thought, well, if, if, if you're feeling the conviction, buddy, then uh, anyway. Um, the divine mark of TLC is that even the exiled will still watch the live streams. If you can, only, oh gosh, David, uh, go Yankees. <laughs> so yeah, preaching is best on live. And, and, and the reason for that is preaching is relational. There, there are, there are churches that have their mega churches that have a local music band, and then the, the the preacher comes in live. You might as well watch YouTube. A better local church has a real preacher who knows his congregation and can address the congregation. Now you can't even hit all of them in a in a, even a small church sometimes, but um, it's real worship is dialogical, and real preaching is dialogical. And and every public every good public speaker knows that because when asked to speak somewhere, the first thing that the public speaker has to think about is what is my audience. And preachers know that because they're in dialogue with the audience every day, and that's why preachers are local and preaching is local. Uh, Michigan man, out of curiosity, have you been OPC? Me, no. I enjoy the art when done in Catholic churches, but often feel like I'm the only one who walks in the walks the stations of the cross. So our, um, you guys are having conversations in the questions section. Dennis, you got to crack down on these guys. Um, God number, no, there is no God number three, Grim. That's heresy. God number one and two, agent arena. It's a, it's a tension. You can't have three. Three is special. Two, one, two, and three are very special numbers. Did you get the four? Four and any number larger are in a certain way all the same. That's why three is important. Ugh, grizz. <laughs> I grew up in a medium-large conversation in the comments. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron comes with a question. Hey, got it. Got it. I should do it. Aaron, you and I, we should do a live stream. That would be fun. Aaron, uh, the 
I'm the the videos of the German conference are um, are seeping out slowly. Aaron gave what for me was one of the most helpful presentations on Nietzsche I've ever heard. It was outstanding. Aaron's father was at the conference. He's a super cool guy. Aaron's brother was, I got to meet Aaron's brother when I was in the Netherlands. Oh, this is such an awesome family, Aaron's family. They're really, really wonderful people. And, and that's been, if, if someone asks me when I'm, who, who knows how old I'll be when I'm, you know, ready to depart this earth. Someone asked me what, what was the best thing about the TLC chapter of your life? I will definitely say the people, the people the people because the, there's there's so many cool ideas in this world but a person is always more than an idea people are amazing they're in the image of god and so it's it's wonderful to meet wonderful people okay aaron's question got to keep my eye on the time after frequent peterson conversations and now a peugeot conversation how do we think of the relevance of russell brand to this little corner especially considering spiritual but not religious risks and conspirituality good question i'm i'm waiting for a an authorized brand Peugeot conversation to come out before I give it a full treatment. There's tons of stuff in there that's worth it. I had no idea how that brand Peugeot conversation was going to go. And it went well. And it went well because brand in a sense has been broken and so he was ready to listen so i meant to make a video about it but sometimes i have a thought and i just put it on twitter your theory cannot save you and i think this is why Christ is so foundational in that Christ is not a theory. We have lots of theories about Christ, but Christ is not a theory. A human being is not a theory. And to a degree, I think new age, new ageism is basically a, a newer version of polytheism. That's basically what it is. And, and if you're a polytheist, you are finally trying to broker deal with the, deals with the gods to get what you want. And what happens with Christ is you finally bow your knee to Christ. And you say, you are the master. You are the master. I am your servant. And so uh, I think, I think uh, Russell's struggling. I think Russell... Russell is a very high-status rando. That's how I'm going to say that, Aaron. Russell is a high-status rando that gets to have speak, because of his status hierarchy, gets to have conversations with Peterson and Peugeot. He's also very smart. Russell Brand is no dummy. He's, he's mimetically brilliant. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had the career he has. He's also deeply flawed, which is why he's been subject to the addictions that he has. In many ways, Russell Brand is a possessed man. And his exorcism is slow and painful and so russell is a brand russell is a rando i think that's how he stands 
He's a rando that can get access that most of us can't. Oh, more conversation. Oh, oh, at least there's a question on the end. We are co-creators. The right is given to us as co-creators. It marks the difference between being a human doing and a human being. It also happens to be our telos. That sounds good. Um, Corgus wag the dank. We've got disenchantment. We've got estuary. Should the young bucks and TLC join a fight club? Well, yeah, the part of the problem of the YouTube and and the internet is it's virtually and that's the whole point of estuary and um all of the in-person things uh i don't know that we necessarily need a fight club i don't know that we necessarily need to beat the crap out of each other in some parking lot somewhere i don't think that would help um i'd, I'd much rather do an estuary and um yeah uh eric question Naming is framing. I like that. Do you think this is why the tree of knowledge and the tree of life have names in the Bible, but no one knows what they're referenced to? Yeah. Are we missing something essential about the framing of Genesis without knowing what these names mean? I think we do know what these names mean, but I think like many names, part of the emissary brain is we think that a name exhausts what the name is pointing to. But reality is such that even the naming and framing doesn't exhaust it because framing is part of apprehension and apprehension isn't exhaustion. There's my answer. Question, to what extent do you think this little corner can be characterized as an attempt to reconcile Athens and Jerusalem? So the book of Romans is an attempt to reconcile Rome and Jerusalem. I think the church fathers worked really hard to reconcile Athens and Jerusalem. And in some ways, you know, perhaps the Greek Orthodox Church is what is what did that. Now, Athens is no longer what it once was. Rome in some ways supplanted it, but didn't completely supplant it. Athens remains. I think this little corner is attempting to reconcile what is what is the heart of the enlightenment is it london maybe this little corner is attempting to reconcile london and jerusalem i don't know what do, what do you guys think what what city what in jerusalem is this little, little corner trying to reconcile End of questions for January. Not a question. Sam continues this conversation. Okay. What is it? 1146? Look at that. Look at that. We've got time for... Washington, D.C., obviously. Well, I thought about that one, Sam. We've got time to come on in and play in the live stream. Minneapolis and Sacramento. Yeah, we're still trying to reconcile Minneapolis and Sacramento. Uh, London. Yeah, I thought London. I think that's right, Tayo. Because is there, what would be the city of the Enlightenment? Gotta let Bruce in. My goodness, Bruce. Oh. How are you? Hey, how are you? Is it okay to have a cigar on here? Is that going to be a problem on your YouTube? That's not analytics? a problem. All right, I want to make sure. Good, a good Reformed Baptist has to have a cigar. <laughs> uh 
I, I was just wondering, you're trying to woo me with the sovereignty of God talk because I was all in. It's it's always down there. Ask Hank, I'm a Calvinist and, and we'll be judged for it. Um, that's, we've already that's, been judged. Wait, uh, we've already, it's already happened. That's right. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I just, yeah, I'm trying to get there. All right. Yeah, I wish, uh, I mean, I know you do your own thing on your channel, Paul, but uh, I'd like to see more of your uh, Calvinism on display. Because you're a confessional pastor. I am. You have a, con a strong confession. <laughs> I do. Oh, my goodness. Never mind. Paul doesn't want to lose all his listeners if he started confessing too much to his Calvinism. He'd gain, he'd gain a few. <laughs> OPC, OPC. Only person. Yeah, search. and that's a regular. That's a regular. Um, that's a regular request. Oh my goodness! Look at this. We had Doctor Chip in the office. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to handle all of these. Uh, you know, we had a massive flood into the estuary here. So, um, well, Bruce, you're in first. Uh, yeah, I I hear that request. I I think that. Those who want to see that, I have my rough draft for Sunday. I have my church work. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think, I think to whatever degree. Well, first of all, there is so much Calvinism deep in American culture, and I think that's another thing that the Collinses actually notice is that when it, when a, when the full video comes out and you look at what what um. Malcolm Collins says about his upbringing, oh, I'm Calvinist. It's like, yeah, that's an interesting kind of Calvinist, not one that the CRC would recognize, but it's very much been here. It's much more Southern Presbyterian. And so, um, and part of what, part of, part of what we're wrestling with, with the Calvinism thing is press is the, is the, is the, the Presbyterians versus the continental reformed. Okay. Don't the forget the congregationalists. Yeah, the Puritans yeah. and the Reformed Baptist types, which are even smaller. Yeah, what is PVK trying to reconcile? That's a good question. So I don't know. I don't know. But but y'all rushed in here. I don't know how we're all gonna get what what y'all came in here for. So any 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 last thing you want to say there, Bruce? Oh no, um, I, I just I wanted to I just wanted to uh, voice that you know because that's how I that's how I came to you, Paul. You know. Yeah. I came to you that way. I came to Paul, a Calvinist talking about JP. I was like, let me get on board for a second. You know? Yeah. There's always Doug Wilson. I mean, there's a. Yeah, yeah Doug is. Doug is yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I love Doug. I love Doug for lots of things. The culture battle, I call it, not the culture war. But I don't love Doug for uh, anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Wilson is an exile from Calvinism. <laughs> it's tough. Well, the confessional folks, we you know we have hard lines. Yeah. You know so, but he and I are friends, probably. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, Hank, you you were you were next in here. I think we got you in by order here. So, what do you have to say for yourself, Hank? I, I'm still shocked and appalled that you don't know who Ric Flair is. <laughs> I am shocked and appalled. To, to be fair, he didn't know who Nick Cave was, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, this is what I sent out to Sam. <laughs> this, this is what I can't do when Hank calls me. <laughs> More overbearing, and you're going to learn to love it. 
All right. So I gotta I have to research Nick Flair on the He interview. is the most famous wrestler ever. And he's the most obnoxious person and the most disliked person, and that's when I compare compared him to Nathan. I oh okay. Well Andre the Giant is the most famous wrestler, isn't he? Or Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan, I think, is the most famous wrestler. I think Luke has something to say. No, Hulk Hogan's the most famous. I mean, that's pretty simple. Oh, he just got, you know, he got baptized a week ago. Hulk Hogan? Yeah. I did hear about that. Yeah, he got baptized a week ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, in in three weeks, I will be down in his area going to his, uh, he's got a, a bar down in Clearwater, Florida. Right, right. Hulk Hogan is definitely more famous than Nick Flair. And I'm the exam. I didn't know who Nick Flair was. Rick, I could Rick, name Rick with an R. <laughs> a bunch of wrestlers and I could not name him. Oh, Nick, Nick Flair. Cage, Nick I love Flair. Nick Flair. Nick Flair. And Nick yeah, Rick yeah, Cage. Nick is great. All right. So you, you, Hank came on here to say Nick Flair. So there you go. Oh, I, 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 you know what? I'm getting old, so the words are slurring. You know, I mean, Paul, you, you understand about age, right? <laughs> Thank you. You're such a troll. You know, I mean, you know, things stop working. You know, you start hearing voices. Now, I started hearing a lot of voices back in the 70s when I followed the Grateful Dead, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> Gosh. All right. All right. Enough from Hank. Who's next? One, one more thing, Paul. Yeah. You know what my favorite Grateful Dead album was? It, it has something to do with your speaking today. Blues for Allah. Really? It's a great album. I, I, I couldn't name a song from the Grateful Dead either. There were, there were potheads at Christian school who wore their T-shirts, but I never listened to their music. You're I, you're not a you're you're neither a boomer nor the son of a boomer. I forget that sometimes, Paul. You're no, yeah. I'm neither. I'm right in the middle. I'm like I know tons of Grateful Dead songs. Are you guys crazy? But my dad's a boomer, so yeah. makes sense. And your dad's a deadhead, isn't he, Sam? No, he he's a born again deadhead like yourself. Yeah, my aunt uh, used to live very close to Jerry Garcia and Haight Ashbury, and my cousin would um, go to daycare with Jerry's children. What you learn on this channel? <clears throat> my goodness! Yeah. And his aunt was married to Jesus. And Sam, you are you are just you are the American guy. I'm as American as it, like I'm nothing if I'm not American. Yeah, that I agree with. <laughs> Sa- Sam is a total uni- unitarian universalist. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now oh. Luke's the universalist. Luke's the universalist. <laughs> the Orthodox universalist. That's All right. right. So who, who who has, Dr. Jim, you have limited time here. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, let me jump in. I just wanted to say hi to everybody. I mean, there's so many so many friends, Aaron, who I met when I went to Amsterdam, and uh, Sam and I have talked. I was interested in Sam's AI talk recently. would like to talk to him about that. Luke, even though I've never actually talked to Luke, I consider Luke to be kind of a simpatico. And Mark, I got to know Mark in Arkansas. So I agree with you, Paul. Mark is is a good guy and i just want to say hi to everybody all right Howdy. no mark is a good guy he's mark's he's good. much he's much better in person than he is online <laughs> the, the internet brings out the worst in mark it really I, does i prefer mark online to be honest I, really no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> mark online <laughs> he was great yeah mark stayed here came to the lounge hung out with me and a priest and a bunch of cigars he's great 
Mark is a Catholic who doesn't go to Catholic church. I keep, Father Eric's working on him, so I, I pray for that work. So I, I'm trying to get Mark to read the Bible. I, I made a, I made an agreement with him. I don't know if we should publicly say it. Well, that that would throw out that Catholic stuff right away. <laughs> That's what How's I'm that sound, Bruce? Is that, <laughs> yeah. uh, Happy New Year, right nose, Happy New Year, Doctor Jim. If boy, if people. If people would just read the Bible, they'd be either be Unitarian or Reformed, right, guys? Right? Uh, if the Lord decreed it, for sure. I mean, yeah. one of the two. <laughs> yeah, if exactly. The Lord oh, my gosh. That's but how not universal. Sure. No, if, if you just read the Bible, you could be one of 60,000 Protestant sects. <laughs> and if you just go to Listen, mass, then here. you could be one of sixty thousand kinds of Catholics. Right. Well, there's a difference. All, you know what? That's that's unity and multiplicity, as John Pajot yeah, talks we'll, about. We'll, we'll see. It's we'll all see in one church, baby. It's all in one church. Almondtree yeah. says, "Read the Bible harder." <laughs> Amen. Dude, you should, Paul. Paul, I would love for you to have a conversation with Jason because he is a hardcore biblicist. Like hardcore, he thinks most people that are biblicists aren't biblicists enough, and they pick and choose. I would love for him to talk to you too, Bruce. Jason's like a great. Bible. That's yeah. all he does is read the Bible. Uh, what else is what? What more profitable? That's great. Oh, so yeah, he's good. And if you guys want, if you want to understand Christian universalism, the kind behavior. I would, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the kind that I would advocate, go to Sovereign Love, Wayne Fair. He's a corner guy. I Watch noticed that you didn't mention the if you Bible don't want to caricature as, it. as the place to find Christian universalism. I noticed that, that wasn't the research. I'm not a rationalist foundation. I don't approach the... You're, apparently your internet's not rationalist either. See? Anselman with the win. Cassidy. All right. Who's next? Ladies first? Cassidy? That was so Oh, uh, I just saw a lot of friendly faces like Dr. Jim, and I want to say hi. And I also just wanted to say the German bridges or breakwater festival videos are coming out slowly, trying to get out one a week. So Aaron's just got posted. It's great. I have a panel coming out tomorrow, um, as long as everything goes well. So um, hopefully enjoy them. And Paul, feel free to post whatever you want here. Um, okay. I have no ego about numbers. I just hope people can enjoy them. And okay, drop the link in the drop the link in the in the notes, Cassidy. Here. Okay. All right, Aaron. What say you? Yeah, good to see everyone again. Good to see um, you, Aaron. Yeah, I've been really enjoying the talk. I've, like you even selected two of my questions, which was an honor. Uh, so thank you for that. Well, I, I usually um, hit them all, except if they uh, if something happens. Oh. Yeah, that, that 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 that's true. But you closed up the question, so I was like, oh no, I was too presumptuous with asking a second one. But no, it went all all good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just I would like to talk about uh, Chris' video and about the contents of it, but we don't have to. But that's just something that I'd be interested in discussing. Talk about whose video? Yeah, so the video, but was it again like. The new uh, Lurker video by uh, Chris. Oh, 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 yeah. Waves of Obsession. Waves of, of Obsession, yes. I just knew yes. it was Did That's you all. watch it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just quickly really before I ran in here. Yeah, I know. It's, it's kind of surprising. I don't know how it's, how it's possible, how one goes from this level to this level and just, you know, one day. But something worth discussing, perhaps. That's everybody's dream. Um, <laughs> let's see if I... Uh... Let's see if I, I have it here somewhere. Oh yeah, here it is. I'll drop the link to it in the in the 
comments again. Um, I thought one of the things that he did in that video was visualize the corner. You're asking this question that is difficult to answer and a question that I've asked myself. I'm, you know, fairly new. I think I found Paul's channel six months ago or something like that. And you kind of go, what is this thing? It's not, it's not YouTube. It happens on YouTube. It's sort of YouTube is a tool of this corner and so when he started using like the visuals, was, that that helped me. I'm like, all right, yeah. okay, he's onto something. He he can see it. I think yeah. in a way that I couldn't see it. It helped me. I thought so too. I thought it was a, a some good mimetic. So when Chris Williamson talks to Peterson, I should clip that because Chris made the point that there's sort of wisdom, and then you have to. Right now in the internet world, you have to figure out how to meme it. Because if you can meme it is like naming the meme, memeing is framing too. And if you can meme it now, suddenly it can go. Um, so he's, I think he really did that well in that video. And I mean, he, 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 he looked like a rando. We hadn't seen his face before. He's wearing a tie dye t-shirt. He's got a quilt in the back, which is probably done by his wife or his mother or his grandmother. And he's got the door closed. So, you know, he's trying not to give away too much purse. I mean, it, it's just classic. It's just classic YouTube. A rando out of nowhere. I mean, Justin Wells had better get busy. Otherwise, uh, the waves of obsession is going to steal his documentary. Um, right. It'll be kind of like in between Justin Wells and Grim Grizz in terms yep. of quality. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I was, I was also thinking, like, uh, I think what is what he's attempting to do, right, is he's... he's um, because sometimes we mention like, you know, g get out there, maybe start your own channel, maybe like just show your face if you're just watching and not responding. And he's kind of saying like, I'm trying to do that, but I really don't know how. Mm. And now he's asking everyone to do that. I'm, I'm curious if, is that just in terms of like hierarchy, right? Like in terms of like what, what's the, let's say the natural model is that emerges in this little corner. Is that something that we're after? Or is it something that we're trying to encourage and, but are reasonable enough to see that it won't happen because that's just not how things work like that that's also something i'm trying to understand i i think like part of the hierarchy talk tends to um tends to retard the fuller imagination of something like a tree yeah you know you true. see trees in the book of daniel for example and the, the beauty the beautiful thing about a tree is that a tree has niches so there are different branches in the tree and and there are different aspects of the tree. And and the way this sort of, I mean, nobody, Grim Grizz is top brander of the corner. There's no question about that. You cannot watch his videos without noticing the branding and the brilliance of the mimetic work in the branding. But like I said, you, you got a half hour of Grim Grizz video and you got sort of usually five minutes of payload. And so when I do a Grim Grizz video, I just kind of skip through and then I look for the payload where Grim Grizz actually reveals something about his heart. Because as a pastor, that's what I'm interested in. I'm always looking for the heart, looking for that moment that that person reveals something about themselves. Because once that revelation happens, then you can have a meeting and hopefully you can have a, an elevation. So. Mm -hmm. There are, and Chad functions in a certain way. Sam has his role in the corner, even though there are, there is a hierarchy and there are hierarchies here. I mean, Sam referenced it in your conversation with Verveke too. Mm 
Um, you know, and, and even, you know, I, you know, where I stand with respect to John or Jonathan or Jordan or, mm-hmm. you know, but then there's these other around Chris Wayne. So there's a lot going on here. So there's lots of different niches. And so one of the things that you can do actually is, and that's what Grim does. Grim carved out a niche. He made a new ecosystem. And that's, that's really important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny because like one of the, um, at least one of the developments within continental philosophy has kind of been to really, at least like thinkers like Deleuze has been to like, to go against the, I think, arborescent kind of way of thinking, which is the tree way of thinking or actually, but this like the hierarchical tree way of thinking. And they go towards the rhizomatic way of thinking where it's like all, you know, like networks did spring up and that actually probably that kind of development within postmodern thinking has probably led to people like Jordan, P- Jordan Peterson and Jonathan Peugeot then again saying no hierarchy is important. So I find it kind of interesting, you know, that we're maybe then <clears throat> counterbalancing that again or if we're doing something else entirely. But who knows? <laughs> it's interesting too because, you know, fungal spores actually help support the tree, right? So that you exactly. have this, you, yeah. have, you have the way the... the... <laughs> Great point, Pete. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's hard for me to identify the corner in such a way because I don't, I don't, I don't see how you have a corner that doesn't have a centralized location for consuming that content per se. Yeah. Uh, I don't really, uh, unless of course, and in what I would submit is the corner is, exists here with Paul's location where everyone congregates. That's the corner, and everyone else is coming from the other places and then converging in the corner. Uh, this is the corner at, on Paul's channel. Maybe the Discord. Um, but everything else is, uh, is is quite in the sphere if we're going to uh, adopt the corner uh, moniker. And mm-hmm. that that's uh, for me that 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 would be the only way I could I could do that. And then in that sense, there is a hierarchy because the p the edge of the corner or the the congregational pl- congregational place, Paul at the head. But it it depends, right? Like you can also think of like I'm not sure if you can also think of a corner where you know it's a corner because people might be able to hang out there like they'll sit against one wall and then another person sits against another wall and it's not exactly that they're grounded like like uh grounding one person there so it's not necessarily hierarchical and that's supposed to be just like it's kind of a cozy space because it's where people start facing each other if they start hanging out i'm not sure like that's just my connotation with it they, they, yeah they would have to hang out an interface for the corner to even be a thing right so in, in yeah some sense where they hang out an interface that would be the manifestation. Yeah, of fair. That, that, that's a good point. What we're doing right now, perhaps, you know. <laughs> this could be considered that in some sense. Rod, you jumped in. You don't jump in for nothing. Actually, I jumped in for nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> <I'm, laughs> I've never done this before. And I'm like, well, how does this work? Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying to get a little game of tic-tac-toe going with Grimm. When there are only nine squares, um, no. Uh, what, since since Dr. Jim and Cassidy both showed that you could just come on and say hi, I thought, well, I can I can do that. You can do that. Thank you, Rod. Um, I it, I. So there have been a number of people. So it's very interesting because there are. I mean, Rod is sort of a semi shadow person. Rod has been on the marriage crisis videos, and he and I have done some of some conversations, but um, there are other people who I can't name or won't name who have followed the corner quietly from the side and they won't show up on these streams usually. But one of these people has, has often told me that he's one of, one of the things he keeps toying with is doing, trying to 
aggregate stuff in the of the corner so that it can be found better. And Jacob has, you know, toyed with that idea too. Jacob, you know, when Jacob was visited Sacramento over a year ago and he took me out to lunch, he said, think about Trinity Broadcast Network where it's a 24 hour, I think, am I going to have to get a gold set and blue hair? And um, yes. said, no, 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 but a uh, 24 hour thing. And, and so there are moments when we sort of step on each other here, but. Well, just to establish my lurker bona fides, I just looked this up the other day. I, the first email I ever sent you, Paul, was the 2nd of January in 2018. That's really early. Yeah. So, so I've been following, and I, you know, I had found you, whatever, a few weeks before that. I forget. Yeah. It's, it's All because I said Whitensville. That's because you said Whitensville. <laughs> my dad grew up in Whitensville. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I've been, I've, I have definitely been following along for the entire journey. I, the, the Discord thing always confused me, so I never figured it out. And, I've always wondered whether someone who doesn't attend church regularly is exactly a fit for this group, but I've always found your discussions fascinating. So I followed along the entire time. Well, there's a lot of people in this corner that don't go to church every week. Or, or who have started their own church. <laughs> so no, and, and it's, it's interesting that in some ways the corner has become self-aware. I mean, that's one way to think about it. And um, so it's, it is a thing, but it's, it's hard to know exactly what kind of a thing it is. And, you know, sort of, I, I'm, I, I still have to iron out what I'm going to do about this, the symbolic world conference. I don't think I'm going, but, What's super interesting to me about that will be how will the Symbolic World Conference be different from, let's say, the Chino Conference or the Breakwater Festival? And I think it will be because I suspect that the Symbolic World Conference, people who go to it like Grim Grizz will feel this is a really orthodox space. And whereas um, there's more there's more leeway, I think, in some of the other corners of the corner. Well, we started... Well, is sorry is Peugeot's following as community oriented as yours Paul I don't think so I think that, they're more church oriented because it's co closer connected to the orthodox church I don't think he feels the need to create something like that well I'm, I'm not even sure if like create something is necessarily the Thing I'm getting at. I, I definitely think we're trying to create something, but something that I always found interesting with what you did, Paul. Oh, sorry, I have a screeching baby. <laughs> um, but it was the Miranda stories that connected us, and then we made lots of friends, and then things came from the friendships where Peugeot seems more like ideas, and then he got a following from the ideas, and then <laughs> it's run more like a business, not a family enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, right. and, and also, I mean, you have a ton of autodidacts in this group, a ton, okay? And for all the BSing that I do, um, Sam puts up with me. I put up with Anselman. Anselman puts up with me. It, you, you've got to have a strong constitution. Um, I come from a sports background. Bullshitting is what we do. Okay, and a lot of it. I mean, I can golf. I beat a great golfer one time, 
And, and the father who I was golfing with said, you just had him off his game because all you were doing was bullshitting the whole time. I go, yeah, well, I wanted to win. Okay. The, the point is, um, and that guy would never play me in golf again, ever. Um, but the point is, is that f because there's so much free-floating stuff going on around, okay, and sense-making is so doggone difficult, I have to, you know, Sam is like iron sharpening iron for me, and I hope I am the same for Sam. But there's a lot of people, whether it's – that's why a guy like Jacob and Mark just don't bother me. I don't care, okay? I don't care. You say what you want to say. I've been married for 33 years. I've heard a lot worse, okay? <laughs> a ton worse. And so the the idea is I'm, I'm, I'm a learner. I'm 63 years old. I still want to learn. And the life that I led 40 years ago is completely strange to me today in the sense that the world of 40 years ago is completely gone. Hmm. It's it's completely blown up and gone. Okay, forty years ago, Paul would have known this. We're a little bit the same age, Roderick too. The idea of transgenderism, our parents would have said, "Shoot them." Okay? My father never would have said that. Ever. Well, trust me, most of the guys I grew up with in a blue collar town would have said, "Shoot them." Okay, <laughs> they're crazy um, because they would have been afraid of one thing: are they rapists? Are they pedophiles? And, and so things have changed where I wouldn't say shoot transgender people. I, 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 I'm, some, I'm somewhat still like, uh, but I mean, all this stuff's coming at you so fast and you have to filter it out. That's the other thing. The idea that everybody thinks they could just, I have a hold on reality. We all filter stuff out. We have to filter stuff out because if we don't, we'll go nuts. And so, I mean, I, I think what, what Paul is on the top of the hierarchy, not because he has to be on the top of the hierarchy, because that's just the way it fell. And I think Van Donk helped you a lot, Paul, on creating this community that you have. And then, then you know, all of a sudden in Chicago, I meet all these other autodidacts, the tallest Puerto Rican pastor, okay? Um, guys that you know, you meet that you would never in a city of, you know, a city of 8 million people like Chicago, 8 million meeting in the whole area. We met some, I met some other kindred spirits. And I think that that's good because honestly, and this is not to poop on the Protestant church. When I, I was bored going to a Protestant Oh, church. yes, it is. I, I, I I, I'm no. All right, Hank, you gotta was, land the plane here. You, you right, gotta start real quick. your own YouTube it channel. It was propositions all the way, and I got tired of propositions. How does this? How do I? What, live what position did you have at Willow Creek? Remind what? me. What position? No, did I'm you talking have about the church that I went to before, which was oh, by the way, a Calvinist church. Um, but, but but what position did you have at Willow Creek? Willow Creek. Um, well, I mean the the. the the proposition for music, honestly evangel right? evangel evangelism, okay? Hank the, the comes idea from that an incredibly musical family, which he doesn't talk about very much, and he was very involved with the music at Willow Creek. So why are you criticizing him for being so propositional? Willow Creek was not very propositional. Oh, sure it was. 
Absolutely was. I mean, for heaven's sakes, it was very propositional, Sam Weiss. Okay. Let's land the plane. Let's land the plane. Sam's just bad at me because I still hit him hard on Trinitarianism, but that's okay. All right. right. I have a thought. Um, You were kind of playing with this a little bit, Paul, um, earlier in this stream. And it reminds me of something that I've, you know, brought up between us privately and maybe came up once or twice in our, in our conversation that we had on your channel. I, part of the reason why I keep watching, I think, because I, I think I admitted, I wasn't quite sure why, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're never quite sure why you find things interesting. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to have a theory at least about why I think I've been paying attention this whole time. And I think I've been trying to figure out what you're up to and where you're going with this. And, you know, you're hinting at this a little bit in some of the some of the things you said earlier just uh, today. I think that's an extremely fruitful conversation, um, even if there are no answers, even if you're not exactly sure what 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 it is. I think uh, I know that's one of the reasons why I keep watching is I'm like, well, where, where's Paul going to end up with all this? And and then, of course, also, is there a way that that I can be helpful? Is there some way I can be constructive in that? Where do you think I'm going to end up with this? I I I, I don't think I would say. Uh, I, I, it's it's your journey, um, but we're all in it with you. We're all along this journey with you. Um, you you got me thinking a little bit because Chris and I, both Nashvilleians, were on one of your last chats, and we were like, well, maybe we, maybe we do something here in Nashville, but it probably mm-hmm. would look very different than anything else you've done so far. Well, and that's what I want to see, actually. What I what I you know, probably what I want is more of what I've been getting, which is groups taking initiative, participating in the network, becoming a node. And I think that's a lot of, so when you look again at um, at the video that landed today from, I, I keep unsharing this screen, I gotta stop that. I'm um, The video that came today, you know, it's it's just a celebration when another country is heard from because what what happens is that now suddenly there's going to be something new. I'm not going to let you in, Andrew. Uh, there's something new. I'll let you in. There, there's something new that's coming in here, and and so I, I I'd love to see what you would do in Nashville. I would love to see a Nashville event because that Nashville event will have something from the corner. You guys would pick the speakers that might be a different mix from what we've seen so far and and you'd have to do something with music yeah there'd probably be a lot less talking and a lot more music and more yeah art. yeah that, my, that would be an event i'd want to go to and my, my and, wife my wife owns an art gallery so we we have a whole kind of other community that's that's grown around that so it's it, it, yeah you have a different experience when you're when you're connecting you know you're not just connecting intellectually you're sort of connecting by a shared some kind of shared experience you could almost get the Bastion of Beauty community involved in something like that, because that's that's the different side of the corner that has grown and would work really well with an event like that, I think. Is anybody familiar with the Rabbit Room? This is for the Nashville people, and we can talk offline, but I just wanted to say that. The Rabbit Room, I just went there Tuesday, and it, and it felt very much like it was this little corner kind of adjacent. They're kind of doing... Some of the similar things is kind of what Paul's point. I was going to kind of jump back if that's okay. Uh, Cassidy, I think you said, you know, the difference between a Peugeot 
it, what Peugeot is doing, maybe what Paul's doing with his channel is Paul is creating community. And this was one of your tweets from a while ago, which is what fascinated me about this channel and what's going on is um, Paul is saying that his point is not in terms of content, but in moving people from an audience to a community. And the fact that you just post a link in your live stream to just let people show up and you know rod's here going hey i just wanted to show up you know cassidy's here like hey i don't usually pop in when you have a ton of people but i saw a bunch of people popping in and i thought you know what maybe today's the day i'll just pop in even though there's a bunch of people i may not say anything but at least i'll pop in you know because you because because that and that's cr creating community in a way I don't know. And I, so. I think, Pete, that I think you probably put your finger on what where my heart is at in this yeah. turning an audience into a community. That's fundamentally what a pastor tries to do mm. is turn an audience into a community. And because I think what people really need is community. They need yeah. each other. And that scales, that's marriages, that's families, that's neighborhoods, that's churches, that's community. And I know that, you know, for Rod, I think that's really deep in rod's heart as well um yeah since since we talked last i'm, I'm now in the music business I we started a, a music publishing business this last year and so I've, I've, you know now that i'm in nashville i might as well join in right so <laughs> as, as, as a, i was talking to a friend of mine i said i'm probably gonna lose all my money and he says no no, no you won't lose all your money you just lose the money you put into this <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 definitely fun to be kind of in the swim of it and you know, being part of it. But I think that's, you know, one of the, you know, the ideas, ideas are nice. Ideas are cool. Ideas are fun, but community is way better because it's actually community that breeds ideas. Um, and so, and, you know, part essential part of Verveke's thing is this in between the transjective. And so, yeah, that's, I, I want to see flourishing and people don't flourish without community. People without community die. Um, so we'll talk more about it. Well, it, it, at least we're, we're, we're warming up to the idea. It might be fun to try something. So we'll, we'll talk more, see, see what, see what kind of shape it might take. Good. Now, Vendank, I was talking to Vendank yesterday and, and we were talking about, we're probably going to do a video. We, we we've got, there's a bunch of people that are talking 2024, but nobody's sort of planted a flag yet and said, May 2024, these are the speakers, because it actually takes a lot to do an event. It is not a small undertaking. It is not without risk. There's financial risk. Um, there's there's ego risk. That's that's what's, you know, one, one of the things I liked about this video was he he names the fact that, you know, there's there's ego risk in this because you make a video and maybe no one will watch it. And then you're like, ugh. But he made this video three days ago, and it had like 12 views when Grim Grizz sent it to me. And so I, I just want to encourage people, you know, do do something. Do something. And well, honestly, honestly, Paul, I'd like to get you in the room with people that no one would ever think to put you in the room with, too. Like, I think some of your, and I know a lot of us who've been following you a long time probably all feel similarly. Like, we really appreciate what you bring to a conversation. There's just so much depth there. It's, you know, it's a bit niche, you know, so it's not for everybody, but you do have a way of, of, of grounding, you know, fairly abstract things into much more. And I think that's the pastor in you. Right. Right. 
and I, there's a lot of people even watching you with with uh, Malcolm and Simone the other day, right? Like you could see they were having as much fun as you were. Um, and I think it would be fun to sort of get you into conversations with people who maybe have more of a cultural bent or more of a political bent or some other, you know, where it's, a, you know, kind of pull it out of a little bit of the, some of the more, the theological stuff, just, yeah. just, just for a change of pace, if nothing else. No, but I think I, that, yeah. I think that'd be great. Go ahead, Aaron. At the same time, like, um, I think what really is the question, like what, or at least what was brought up in the video is how to not get Paul talking to more people, but how to get more people talking, like just in this space in general. But I do, I do see your point. And I, I would say like, by the way, one thing that I was reminded of Pete, when you said like, you know, you weren't sure if you were gonna, you know, jump in and then you did. And by the way, you did end up like bringing in a lot of useful stuff. So I'm happy you did. Um, but like at the, the, the Breakwater Festival, we had um, one, let's say practice from Thomas Steininger. So his talk is also up on the channel. Definitely go watch it. Um, but I would say like, there was something really nice about his fishbowl practice. And I'll just like briefly explain it because it's like very simple. I think it's like, if I remember correctly, there was like seven chairs in the middle of which six were filled with people sitting in the middle. And then there was like a ring of chairs outside of that and then another ring and then, and then another ring. And those were also filled. And the rules were very simple. It was like, everyone in the middle can talk. So like they'll have like maybe this type of conversation, but there's always one empty chair. And as soon as someone feels, you know, from the outer ring, like, oh, I want to participate in this conversation, they'll go to the middle of the circle and then sort of organically someone in the middle of the circle will be like, oh, you know what? I kind of set my thing. Like I've kind of been listening in and now I can sort of go a bit. So then an empty chair will show up again. And sometimes two empty chairs will show up. And it has this really it has like two benefits. So one thing is that the conversation stays alive because there's constantly like a new influx of information, but also that indeed people feel less afraid to partake because it's not like, oh, you know, like I have to jump in for all of it. And fortunately, like Andrew is currently uh, showing what that means. So thank you, Andrew, for joining. <laughs> no, I, and I, I, I really, I, the German, the breakwater event was great. And, and part of what's been good is all of the events are different. And, and, and everybody, Andrew, you're making a lot of noise. You should mute. Um, there you go. All the events are different. And, and I really do encourage people to do different mixes because the different mixes bring out different things. And all of the events that I've had a part, I've, I've participated in, have been all the different mixes bring out different things, different sort of spirits emerge from them. And it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I, I right. guess what I'm, what I'm also trying to like say is that it would be interesting if some of these practices, like, so for instance, so I wasn't at many of the other uh, festivals or meetings or conferences, but for instance, this one I thought was successful, like on location. And would there be a way to integrate that into like this type of, you know, online dialogue that we're having, but I'm not sure how that could work. But you know, that's uh, something worth for like maybe talking about another time. Okay. Anything else before we land the plane, Sam? You haven't said much, or Pete. I don't know if Pete, you had another point you wanted to make. Not off the top. Not yet. <laughs> I don't think Islam and Mormonism are very similar. <laughs> really? No, not at all. Very different. Well, yeah, they are different, but you know, some of their approach to to texts is the same, and some of I don't know. I see some resonance between them. They're they're obviously separated by quite a bit, but okay. 
Yeah. I remember Rodney Stark yeah. saying, I think of um, what was the kind of Mormonism that it would be the fastest growing religion at some point. He predicted that, but then it became Islam, I think. I mean, having an active prophet is very different from saying there will never ever be another prophet. Those that that's I would say is probably the biggest difference. Oh, that's a good point. That's an excellent point. You should follow true. the um, what they're doing with the Skinwalker Ranch. That is some fascinating stuff. Yeah, that's an interesting show. I, I do watch <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch. So those guys are LDS. I, oh, definitely. Yeah, it's very very much an LDS crowd. I just want to know. <laughs> What's under Oak Island? That's what I want to know. <clears throat> no takers? <laughs> What's oh. under the Dallas airport? No, it's not Dallas. Uh, what am I thinking? Denver. Well, what's under the Denver airport? Lizard people, apparently. <laughs> Lizard people are under the Denver airport. Well, like We are on was... the internet. <laughs> The one that was loose in Miami, right? There was a lizard person Nephilim thingy uh, that everyone uh, had to catch and arrest in downtown Miami. <laughs> Check the internet. Check the internet. It's like the, the top trending topic on Twitter today is this alien creature Nephilim thingy in Miami. I'm not joking. The spirit of Alex. I, well, I might be joking. I am joking and not joking. I, saw I just love Cassidy's re reactions right now. Oh, and Andrew is in the bathroom getting ready for class. Does this hairdo any good? I'm trying out new hairdos. Is it any good? If I had hair, I, honestly, it's I'd just showing it. off. You're just showing off when it you is. have that much yeah, on exactly, top. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to land the plane. Thank you all for participating. Nice to meet and you remember all. Embody, and um, I will. I will end the transmission now. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All lovely to meet you. See you.